This is Art Matters. I'm Farron Gibson. This podcast is produced by Art UK, the online home of the UK's art collections. Explore artworks, stories, and more at artuk.org and follow us on social media on our handle artuk.org, spelling out the word dot. What's your name? What's your sign? Are you a believer in astrology? Today, we're taking a look at the relationship between astrology and art. Hopefully by the end of this episode, you'll see some of the interesting ways that mythology, religion, and astrology intersect throughout art history. First, let's start with the basics. What's the difference between astronomy and astrology? Astrology, as opposed to astronomy, is the belief that we do not only see or admire the stars and can measure them or so, but that we also get a kind of message out of it, that we interpret what we see. That's Clemens Ludwig, astrologer and writer of the book Astrology in Art. There is uh, two main uh, systems. Uh, one is that uh, there is a direct connection between what we see in the sky and which is on the earth. And the other system is saying that this is not a direct connection, but it's, it's just a show that we can read out of it, although there's not direct connection. So this is the basic difference to astronomy, that we have all this is cosmic, what we see, the planets, the stars, and the, the zodiac signs, that they provide a deeper meaning, a deeper understanding, a deeper message for us. And if we really go into it, and it's, of course, a long study you have to undergo, then you can get very important messages about it. These days, you may think of astrology as the horoscope you find in the back of a magazine, but it dates back millennia, and different cultures around the world have developed their own systems. Today, we'll be discussing popular Western astrology, but it's worth noting that there are Chinese, Mayan, Indian, and other systems as well. The iconology of this field has been used in a multitude of surprising ways. On the Art UK website, you can find an image of the Zodiac Man, in which parts of the body correspond to astrological signs. The arms are Gemini, the feet are Pisces, the heart is Cancer, and so on. These charts would have been used as a medical aid to treat the body. Examples of similar illustrations have been found in Welsh and Persian medieval manuscripts. At least we can see it 5,000 years ago, we have monuments. There are even much older ones. And so it is obvious that mankind has always been not only impressed by what it sees in, in, the, in the sky, but, but also has seen there is a certain way of, um, of circle which is coming and going and um, we, we must think, I mean, uh, mankind for, for um, thousands or hundreds of thousands of years were very close with, with the nature as uh, hunters and gatherers and um, so it was very important to understand, you know, the, the natural circle and, and the, what, what they saw in the sky was, was something they have very much included. And we know the oldest evidence uh, that uh, the people were following the planets was about 4,000 years ago in the Mesopotamian area, which is a day I Iraq. And there we have in, in stones, we have kind of chronology of, of the planets, what we nowadays called ephemerides. And this comes together with the science, mathematical science of the old Greeks, 
especially, for instance, like Pythagoras, uh, Thales of Milet, these people um, were not only great scientists, they were also great uh, spiritual seekers. And they brought together a system to create the kind of zodiac we have today and we are the, the kind of zodiac chart we are working with today. So this is about 2,500, 2,700 years old. And the Mesopotamian tradition, together with the earliest Greek tradition, creates the astrology, which um, is also the basic of what we do today. The Greek influence in astrology becomes more apparent when you think about the names of celestial bodies and dig into the iconography of some of the signs. For example, I'm a Sagittarius, which is symbolized by a centaur. This is based on the half-horse, half-man figure of Chiron from Greek mythology, who was a tutor to the warrior Achilles. All uh, the names from the planet, they, they come from the old antique mythology. And uh, for me personally, I also very much include the, the meaning of the, of the mythology. I mean, we have this Jupiter, we have Venus, and they, they have special roles in the Greek mythology. And this is uh, related to what we say as an astrologist, which is the meaning of the, of the special planets. And uh, I can uh, maybe give you an example. This is an example of Venus. I mean, Venus is very much in, in our days reduced to, well, let's say sexy women. And in the mythology, it was much more. Venus or Aphrodite was a very strong goddess not only the goddess of love but a very strong goddess taking part also in in the old wars like uh, we know the uh, trojan war was was very much uh, initiated by aphrodite and um, so this is um, a meaning that is uh, she's has very much you know um, a, a system of values to defend and for me venus is the key for the values one has and the most important value is self-love and self-confidence. And so Venus for me is, is the key for self-love and self-confidence, which is a pretty uh, different than the only sexy women like we have with Venus, we combined with Venus. And this has much to do with the role of Venus or Aphrodite in the old antique mythology. Many of the planet's names correspond to the Roman names of mythological gods. For example, Jupiter is the Roman equivalent to Zeus, the king of gods. This is relevant because according to astrology, these planets and figures bear a relationship to the astrological signs. There is a correspondence uh, between the planets and the signs, and um, we say they, they're ruled by that. For instance, um, there's Aries combined with Mars, there is Taurus combined with Venus, there is Gemini combined with Mercury, and so on and so forth. And, and this means that, uh, for instance, when, when these uh, planets are in their own signs, they are very strong. So if, if, you, if you have Mercury in, in Gemini, certainly you will be very eloquent, you, you will be easy in, in kinds of journalism or writers and all these things, uh, while when it's on the opposite side, for instance, might be a bit, bit more difficult. But there is a direct connection between the planets and the, the signs, the zodiac signs. Greek and Roman mythology is a huge subject in the history of art, and with such an overlap between astrology and mythology, it seems possible to me that some of the works with mythological subject matter may be able to be interpreted in alternative ways. Mythology and astrology are close together. 
And when we see the uh, characterism of antique goddesses, you often cannot differentiate what is astrology and what is mythology. You often find it, as, as I said, this, this combination of uh, zodiac signs and planets was very present. And the knowledge of people, at least of the educated people, the, the artists in, in former times. So we often have a kind of the zodiac, we see a kind of Gemini, and then we find Mercury together with Gemini. And of course, there is a symbolism that Gemini and Mercury belong together. So we have the mythology figures like Mercury, like Venus, like Mars, together with, with the signs, and they look like the old mythologic um, figures. While it may seem hard to imagine now, there was a time when powerful figures like kings and even popes would look to astrological methods for guidance. For um, thousands of years, it was mainly limited to kings, church leaders, um, and they, of course, they wanted to know what comes out. If I go on war with, with my enemy, will it be successful or not? And, or if I have some diplomatic efforts, will they be successful or not? Therefore, they ask astrologers. So for, for many decades, astrology was just a kind of prediction on the basic that life was determined. So that was the basic. But um, of course, astrology has changed a lot, although the basic is more or less still the same, but it has changed a lot. It is um, today mainly a tool to understand oneself, to understand all my clients. When they come to me with, with some, and I think this, this is what most of the Astrologers would say clients come when they have a problem in their relationship, in their job. What do the stars say? What's the problem with, with their relationship? And, and this is, and, and, and then it's uh, for me at least, uh, my approach is not only to say do this and this, but uh, to create together with the clients, you know, a way of, of a deeper understanding what is going on. And I think therefore, Astrology is a perfect tool uh, which can be used for much more than only predictions as it was in earlier times. If astrology once held this level of influence amongst powerful figures, it follows that there must be some visual evidence of this traceable in art history. Throughout the history of art, astrology symbols have influenced um, even the most prominent figures like uh, Leonardo da Vinci, Tizian, Raphael, Albrecht Dürer, they all were influenced by astrology, and sometimes it was um, very much open. They, they used the symbols of the planets, of the zodiac signs in their art, and sometimes it is more hidden. But in general, I, I would say that it goes even back to the antique and pre-antique time. At that time, of course, not only astrology, as we mentioned before, but also art was very much limited for the priests and, and for the um, rulers. And uh, so it came together that, that we find zodiac in old Jewish synagogues, which go back to the Hellenistic areas, or even uh, also Roman noble places where, where we find zodiac. So it is obvious that the artists of that time went back to astrology science, and this goes back through the whole history of art. We've mentioned that there was once a more intimate relationship between astrology and religion, despite the two seeming to occupy opposite ends of a spiritual spectrum today. While there have always been religious figures who took issue with astrology, examples of zodiac symbols can be found in religious buildings. 
in the medieval ages, in, in many churches, we see astrology or zodiac signs in, in the tympanon. This is the area above the portal where we find the symbol, which is a very important place, of course, in the of, of these old cathedrals. When you enter the sacred area in a, in a cathedral and they passed below the zodiac signs in the tympanon, it is obvious how important the astrology was, you know, as a, as a part of the world created by God to talk to the people. Of course, uh, there was always critics against astrology, but there was a time when astrology, even from popes and, and bishops, was regarded as a kind of language of God to talk to the people. Staying on the topic of religion, let's look at a possible astrological interpretation for Leonardo da Vinci's famous fresco, The Last Supper. Jesus is sat at the center of the table with six apostles on either side of him, and it is in this scene that Jesus informs the group that one of them will betray him. This is a hidden portrayal of the zodiac, and it becomes very evident when one looks at the attribute of the disciples. When we starting from the right one, we see Simon the Arius is very dynamic, forwards with his arms, and a typical Arius, and then is followed by. Uh, Tadeus, the, the Taurus, is a strong neck. We always say, you know, the Taurus is a strong neck, protecting himself and maybe also his belongings with his arms. So this is what we have about Taurus. And then the, the third one, this is very uh, interesting. This is Matthew, this is Gemini. As Gemini, we say it's open for everything and everyone is in contact with everyone, turning in his head to the one side, his arms to the other side. And uh, so very typical Gemini. You wouldn't find a more a better example to characterize Gemini than Leonardo did in the Last Supper. And there may be one more example. The next one is Philip. He is a Cancerian. He's a vulnerable, sensitive, with a lot of female energy. This is what we combine with the Cancer and the Cancerian. And the last maybe example from the Last Supper, if someone wants to take the picture and look at it, this is the Leo, the Jacob, the Leo. And we see his arms spread wide, very self-reliant, taking his place as a king. So it is so obvious that, that Leonardo made an uh, example of the zodiac in, in the form of the 12 disciples of Jesus, who is in the center, of course. How do we know that the zodiac is evident in the Last Supper? How do we know that? We have the symbolism of the, of the 12 signs. We know what Arius stands for. We know what Taurus stands for. We know what Gemini stands for. And so when we look at the symbolism of the 12 disciples, and we combine this with the symbolism of the 12 signs of the zodiac, it is absolutely obvious. And I have studied a lot about that and also studied the interpretation of the traditional history of arts and uh, what they say about it. For instance, the third from the right, this is the Gemini, and he's uh, so crazy. Um, looking, if, if you don't have in mind what is the astrologic uh, symbolism, you cannot really uh, say what, why he created such a, a figure which, which uh, looking on the other one hand side and having his arms on the other hand side. It's just confusion. It's, it's just, just confusing. And the traditional historians of art don't have a real explanation for it. 
I read in, in many books, they, ah, they say, okay, the people were confused and Jesus just told them that someone will betray them. But this is not really a good expression. For, for instance, some are very relaxed. The Leo, the fifth one is very relaxed very self-reliant. Some are totally confused. So how can 12 figures, if it was not an uh, astrological background, how can they about um, special um, news that someone will be betrayed, uh, the Lord, how can some react absolutely relaxed and self-reliant and having a good time and the other one uh, being very confused and, uh, well, and hectic and so on. So this this doesn't really make sense. The only real explanation which makes sense, I think, is the astrological one. And also, we know that Leonardo was part of esoteric circles and their approach was to only speak to the insiders, you know, to the more or less enlightened ones. So he had his, often he had his message hidden. This is like in the Last Supper. I noticed that they are grouped in threes and I wonder if that corresponds to something. I know there's you know, fire signs, earth, water, are they grouped in that way or? No, no, they are, they are grouped in the, the, the first is the spring. So there's three spring signs, Aries, Taurus, Gemini. Then there is the summer signs. This is a, a Cancer, Leo, Virgo. Then the, the autumn with Libra, Scorpio and Sagittarius. And then there's the winter signs of Capricornus, Aquarius and, and Pisces. Now it may be useful to go over some of the iconography that is often used to represent each of the signs. There's a stunning painting by Ernest Proctor in the Tate Collection that shows all of the signs together in a swirling composition peppered with stars and moons. In it, we see Virgo at the center, represented by a woman. In her hand is a set of scales, symbolizing Libra. Starting from her feet and moving clockwise, we see Scorpio the scorpion, Sagittarius the archer, Capricorn the goat with a fishtail, Pisces the fish, Aquarius pouring water over the fish, Aries the ram, Gemini the twins, Taurus the bull, Cancer the crab, and Leo the lion. This is handy to know as we look at an engraving by Albrecht Dürer called Sol Justitiae, Sol meaning sun in Latin and Justitiae meaning justice. In the engraving, a figure whose face shines like the sun sits atop a lion, which we know can be a symbol for Leo. In his right hand is a sword, and in his left, our scales. This is an important picture of Dürer. The art historians say Dürer uh, made a portrait of the goddess of justice, but the goddess of justice always has her eyes blindfolded, saying that she doesn't look of the people who is uh, there in court, but uh, all are equal. But this kind of sun goddess or god with Dürer has painted has not the eyes blindfolded. And when you look deeper into it, there is a combination of the sun and the Leo, which are combined together. I mentioned this before, that there is a connection between the zodiac signs and the planets. And we, in this case, regard sun as a planet, although also we as astrologers know that sun is not a planet. Um, but um, this is a combination of Leo and the sun. And the sword says uh, it's a symbol of Aries and Aries uh, is a good sign for the sun and Libra, which is where the sun is, we say, declined. It's possible that this piece has a double meaning, with astrological symbols being used to reinforce religious imagery. 
It was inspired by a religious text by Petrus Bercoius, given to Jura by his godfather, that read, The sun and righteousness shall appear ablaze when he will judge mankind on the day of doom, and he shall be burning and grim. For as the sun burns herbs and flowers in the summertime when he is the lion, so shall Christ appear as a fierce and lion-like man in the heat of judgment and shall wither the sinners. The reference to summertime as the lion may allude to the fact that Leo largely takes place in August, one of the hottest months of the year, so the lion visual carries two meanings. Now let's move forward in time to explore how some modern artists have engaged with astrology, starting with Alphonse Mucha, who created a calendar depicting signs of the zodiac. He is uh, one of the most prominent figures of Art Nouveau. You know, this uh, was in the end of 19th, beginning of 20th century. Art Nouveau was, I think, very popular. And, and that was an interesting period because one, one must say in the area of enlightenment in the late uh, 18th century, astrology had had declined. There was no question about it. It had, had kicked out of the universities. It was a, before it was a very, very yeah, common part of, of, of the university studies, but in the art of enlightenment, it was all kicked out. And, um, and there came this industrialization and so on. There was not much space for astrology or for uh, esoterical traditions, but then uh, obviously people uh, thought we are missing something. And in the end of the 19th century, there was a, a kind of comeback of astrology and also of other uh, esoterical uh, ideas. And this also was reflected in the arts. And then some of the greatest artists of this time then went back or we have in the 20th century Salvador Dali and even Andy Warhol uh, they had uh, astrology uh, symbols um, in in their kind of of work and uh, Andy Warhol the master of, of pop art he has uh, created the 12 signs of the zodiac even with a handwritten interpretation which shows that Andy Warhol was very familiar with astrology so um, we can see or I can say another one who's becoming very popular now again Hilma Afklin she's um, a Swedish some say a spiritual pioneer of the abstract art and she has a series the dove with the signs of the zodiac and so there is a lot of um, yeah uh, modern artists then who picked up again astrology symbols Paul Klee was uh, Wassily Kandinsky, also Hannah Höch, uh, maybe quite well-known artists. And uh, so after the decline of, of astrology, after the light of uh, area of enlightenment in the 20th century or beginning of 19th, uh, end of 19th already and 20th century, there was certainly kind of come back with, uh, with some of the most important artists of this time. For a bit of fun, I asked Clemens if there are any signs that are known to be particularly good at art. If you're an artist, you will have much influence of, of Libra, of course. Uh, that doesn't mean you have to be Libra by your birth. I mean, uh, our uh, natal sign is only where the sun is at, at that point. You can uh, ascend or you can have moon or, or Venus in, in Libra. And But but I'm sure that, that uh, artists are in one way or the other very much. They must be influenced by Libra because this is kind of aesthetic, you know, this is kind of going along with, with uh, different colors and all that you, you, you have to have this basic 
um, interest. Also for inspiration is Aquarius, which is leaving traditional ways, having new ideas, new inspirations. I think this is also important for artists, you know, that they not just follow the, the traditions, at least this is not the ones that the the very prominent one, the, the prominent artists broke with the tradition and went find the new ways of, of expression. And this is a, what Aquarius stands for. And so Aquarius also, also is very important for the artist. And maybe discipline is also uh, important. And this is what Capricorn stands for. So Libra as a kind of yeah, aesthetic, Aquarius as a kind of new ideas, and Capricorn as a kind of discipline that maybe make a, new, uh, make a good artist. And who is the least likely, which sign is least likely to believe in any of this? <laughs> well, I'm uh, maybe Virgo. Virgo is very skeptical of science. So Virgo also wants to be logic and logical. And um, of course, astrology doesn't fall uh, logic in, in, in our sense of everyday life. So Virgo may be the most skeptical. There are art historians who have discussed the relationship between art and astrology. Clemens cites the German art historian Abi Warburg as being particularly adept in this area. He was a Jewish origin, first living in, in Hamburg, but then he, after the, the Nazis, he has to go out and, then, and he went to exile to London and he left his last years in, in London. And he is today very much influence in in the history of arts and the Abivabok he has said you cannot understand many kinds of artists and, and arts when you have not at least the basic knowledge of astrology. This is uh, what he proclaimed about 100 years ago in the thing in the 1920s. And uh, I, th I would say that the art historians should look, at, look upon him and, and take him serious, uh, that they need to have some basic information about astrology to, in order to understand many pieces of art. I hope you had fun with today's episode. There's so much to dig into on this subject, and I encourage you to do some Googling to uncover even more. As a starting point, I would recommend looking up Hilma F. Clint's astrological diagrams. I also came across John Varley in my research, who was a 19th century painter and astrologer whose work can be found in UK collections, and therefore on Art UK. Head over to the Art UK website to see the imagery mentioned in this episode. That's it for season three of Art Matters. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be back in July with a big announcement. So stay tuned. <laughs>